everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, good morning, church. An exciting day today. As we worship together, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 11. And as we open the scriptures, let's make sure that we open our hearts to the Lord. We need his word. So let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. We're so hungry for it, Lord. We're so thirsty to hear from you. To hear from you, to hear your voice. So Lord, please speak to us in your mercy. Speak to your children, your living word full of grace and truth to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the people said, Amen. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died For the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, perhaps one might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Through him. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word. I've come to believe God loves me. We have seen what hate can do. We've witnessed, we've witnessed and our stomachs turn to witness the, the, the perversity and, and the horror of how we can treat one another as human beings. So we've all seen with our own eyes how a man, George Floyd, had his life taken from him under the knee of a uniformed officer who was, was meant to serve and protect. And our cities are on fire. There are things that cannot be. We've seen what hate can do. 
We've seen what hate can do. What about love? Martin Luther King Jr., in his book, Strength to Love, said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. What about love? What about the power of love? What can love do? What fires can love ignite? And what about the love of God? The love of God. There's an old gospel hymn that says, I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The world needs to hear the story of Jesus and his love. And we are the tellers of that story. I think straight across the world, and certainly in our nation, hearts are open to the good news of Jesus. The answers that we thought we had are not holding up. And we've got questions, and we need better answers, and they are found in Jesus Christ. They're found in Him. We're starting a new series called, I've Come to Believe. If you're a follower of Jesus, what we want you to do in this series is to to learn again to be a teller of that story of Jesus and his love. Learn your story. Tell it again. Tell it new. If you're a seeker this morning, if you're just trying to sort of sort this Jesus business out for yourself and so you're tuning in, you have hit on the perfect thing. For the next five weeks, you're going to be able to see just exactly what it is that Christians believe. The world needs to hear the story of Jesus and his love. The greatest story, the gospel story of Jesus Christ and how he saves your soul. See, your story with Jesus is your greatest story. It's your greatest story. And it's your greatest tool, it's your greatest instrument to share with others who Jesus is and just what he does. Are you ready to tell your story. When I was uh, in college, I sold knives for a summer. And uh, in selling knives for a summer, I, I polished up my pitch, you know, because I knew that the people in front of me, they only had so much patience. I worked on it. Billy Graham, when he was right out of high school, he spent a summer working for the Fuller Brush Company as a salesman. They say he outsold every salesman in North Carolina. I can believe it, right? The best salespeople... They believe in their product. Well, look, I'm not saying we need to get ready to sell Jesus. We're we're not selling Jesus. But we need to be prepared and we ought to be polished up and we ought to be ready to, to represent the greatest story ever told. To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. We are the tellers of that story. You're the tellers of that story. If it gets told, it's because you told it. And if it doesn't get told. In John 6, there was a moment where Jesus had just said some really hard things and it caused a lot of his followers to to leave. I'm out. And so he turned to his his 12 and he said to them, what about you guys? Is that, are you out? Is that enough for you? And Peter stepped forward, Peter, 
And he said, no, Jesus, we're sticking around. We've got nowhere else good to go. That's basically what Peter said. He said, we've got nowhere else good to go, so we're in. But then he stepped forward and, and he said a little bit more. John 6, verse 69, said, besides Jesus, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to believe. That's what we're talking about. What have you come to believe? We sent journals out to all of you. I hope you got one. If you didn't get one, uh, let us know. We want you to have this. This is your tool. Because we want to ask you, what have you come to believe? Will you write it down again? Your greatest story. Your greatest story is your story with Jesus. And we want you to learn afresh how to tell that story over the next five weeks. What have you come to believe? Well, we're ready to share the greatest story. And the greatest story starts with love. God loves you. I've come to believe God loves me. I've come to believe God loves you. And this greatest story, the story of salvation, the gospel story, it has four movements to it. Very quickly, it goes like this. Number one, God loves you. You might not believe that, but it's true. Number two, your sin separates you from God. You might not like to hear that, but I think there's something inside you that already knows that's true. Number three, Jesus died for your sins. You might find that humbling, but you need and you have a Savior in Jesus Christ. And then number four, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, a purpose, a meaning. God has something for you. See, coming to Jesus and and asking forgiveness and putting your faith in Christ, that is only the beginning of a life of knowing God. The Bible calls it eternal life, a full life, a whole life of living into the purpose for which you were made. God has a purpose for you. And that's the story that we're going to talk about. Over the next five weeks, we're going to rehearse that story, the greatest story ever told. And it begins with love, love. God loves you. I've come to believe it. Romans 5 characterizes this love of God. So, you know, love is, love is funny. Love, it seems simple, right? Until you get into it, and then it gets a little complicated, you know? Oh, love, love, it's just people, you fall in love. Oh. And then you get into it, and it gets a little more complicated, doesn't it? Love, uh, you know, you can love somebody and never learn to express it. Somebody can love you, but, but you never really feel it. Two people can love each other, and their love languages are different, and so everything they try just falls apart. Love can get complicated. Maybe you've even been hurt or taken abuse from someone you love. Love is a many-splendored thing, but it's also complicated. So when I say God loves you, 
And when God says, I love you, God defines that love. He wants you to understand that love. And so God clearly discloses the character of this love. God loves you. God loves you. If there's nothing else that you take out of this message, that's the one point of this message, that if you left everything else behind, please carry this away. God loves you. He loves you. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, I want you to know it's true. In Romans 5, it declares the character of that love. Paul's talking about the benefits that we gain through faith. I mean, he's talking about how we are justified by faith. And and everything that Jesus has done, everything that Jesus has won for us, it becomes ours when we receive it by faith in Jesus Christ and we're we're justified by faith. What does that mean? Just look over verses 1 and 2. And and what it means is when you put your faith in Christ, all that Christ has done for you, all that Jesus did for you, that becomes your story and and you receive the benefits of it through faith. So what do you you have? You have peace with God. What do you have? You have access to God the Father. You have access by faith in Jesus Christ. You're connected. You have grace. You have grace. You have hope. And you have a future. All of this because you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done for you, what He won for you, when He went to the cross for you, that now becomes Yours. It becomes yours. Why? Why? Because God loves you. That's why. And so the rest of the passage, it outlines the character of the love of God. Let me share with you a few points. Number one, God's love is faithful in hard times. Verses three and four. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Are you learning any perseverance right now? Perseverance, character. And character, hope. Who is able to glory in suffering? I glory in suffering. Who's able to do that? The secular person can't do that. If there is no God and and life is just a meaningless series of events, well, suffering is just a bad turn. Many Eastern religions, they see suffering as as punishment and and judgment for past errors, either yours or, or from a former life. Karma. Muslims, they see suffering as an expression of divine anger, and disappointment. Who glories in suffering? The only people who can glory in suffering are people who have a God who loves them, are people who know a God who loves them and walks with them through their sufferings, a God who feels suffering with them, a God who is both all-powerful and all-loving, And suffers with you. A person with that God can look through suffering 
into what that moment of pain might bring, what that moment of, of difficulty might produce. It might produce, it might produce perseverance. That might produce character. That might produce hope because there's a future glory in God where the, the, the momentary sufferings of this lifetime give way to an eternal weight of glory because of what God has done and who God is. We glory in our sufferings. What's the character of God's love? God loves you and is faithful to you right through suffering. He's in it with you. Number two, God's love is giving. Sometimes we say we love someone. Actually, we're just taking from them. Love is a giving away of the self. And so God's love is characterized by giving. It's characterized by God giving his own son, Jesus Christ. And then in Jesus Christ, his love is characterized by Jesus giving his life away on the cross for you and for me to get us out of the mess that we were in. Look at verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you. Do you forget that God loves you? Do you fall asleep to it? There's no power in that. There's no, there's no emotional power. God loves me. Do you fall asleep to it? Do you doubt that God would love a woman like you, a man like you, a kid like you. God loves you. Don't doubt it. Look to the cross. You didn't deserve it, but Jesus gave it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't didn't earn it, but Jesus gave it. He gave his whole life for you. God loves you. Number three, the character of God's love. Friends, God loves his enemies. Jesus taught this. He said, love your enemies. If you love people that love you back, what's that? But if you love your enemies, if you love those who are on the other side, if you you love those who are Across that line. If you love those that you think have it out for you, that, that's world changing. That, that, is, that is nation restoring. That is war ending. That is heart melting. That is racial reconciliation and healing. When you love your enemies, if you'll love those that you think are opposed to you, if you'll step across, and not just love people that love you, but you'll love those that you feel like are against you. If you love them, that is world-changing kingdom of God stuff. And God loves his enemies. God did and God does. Look here at this scripture. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's, what? Enemies. 
We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What's that saying? That's saying, look, if we were, when we were enemies of God, when we were saying, God, I'm your enemy. I mean, I'm, I'm against you. If we were, when we were declaring ourselves enemies of God, God still reached out and reconciled us to him through the death of his son. Well, if, if that's how good it is with God when we're declaring ourselves his enemy, what about when we're friends? What about when we're together? How much more will we experience the life of God now that we are in reconciliation with God through what Jesus Christ has done? God loves enemies. Say, I I hate you, God. I hate you. God says, I love you. And that's never going to change. And I will find a way into your heart. Love your enemies. That's that's world-changing stuff. God's love, number four. God's love makes whole. Reconciliation. Reconciliation, that's a big word. Not just, I'm not just talking about syllables either. That's a, I mean the meaning of the word. Reconciliation. Coming back together. The broken pieces brought together and made whole. What, the, dis, the disintegration turning to integration, the spinning apart, shifting and turning around to a coming back together. Who has the power to do that? Who has the power? Only Jesus. Verse 11. Now, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Coming together. We can boast in Jesus Christ. We boast in the power of Jesus. It's the only power to bring things back together. And, and we boast in knowing Jesus. You know, when, you, um, when you, you know someone famous, it's kind of uncool to boast about it, right? Like, I, you know, I know, uh, I, I, I'm friends with Billy Joy. You know, it's not cool, right? But Jesus, he wants you to boast in knowing him. I want you to boast in knowing me. I know Jesus, and so we can share. I know Jesus, and Jesus loves me. And Jesus, he makes my life whole. He brings things back into order. He brings reconciliation. He makes me right with God, and he fills my life with this power when things are spinning apart, that things come back together again. That's Jesus, and I boast in knowing Jesus Christ. Jesus, and the love of God, It's the most powerful force for unity that the world will ever know. That the world will ever know. God loves me. God loves you. I've come to believe it. Now, how do you feel God's love? What I want you to do is I want you to take time today. I want you to write in your journal... Uh, And write in your journal in section one, the first section here, week one, about the first time that you sensed the presence of God and, and the first time that you felt his love. How do you feel the love of God? Jonathan Edwards is the leader of this, the second great awakening, this great revival. 
And he used to take long walks in the woods in western Massachusetts and he would, he would soak in the beauty of nature. He would just take it in and just be in awe at the beauty of it. Big things, little things, mountains and, 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 and flowers and trees and grasses and, and spider's webs and bird's nests. And He just soaked it all in. He just looked at all of it and he, he took it all in and, and allowed himself to feel the presence of the one who made every bit of it. He said, I would just let it wash over me, this, this sense of the presence of God, this uh, divine and supernatural light, he called it, until I was bathed in the ecstasy of a heavenly air, like breathing the air of heaven. He let it, he let it come in to his heart. You see, he let, he let himself feel all that. Do you allow yourself to feel the love of God, the sense of the presence of God? When do I feel the love of God? I remember feeling the love of God at camp, you know, Young Life Camp when I was a kid. Felt, I felt his presence, his love. I felt the, the love of God wash over me when I've been in large worship gatherings like, you know, Promise Keepers or other things where 10,000 voices all together singing in praise and I felt the love of God just washing, just washing over me. I feel the love of God when I'm in church. And I hope if you've been comfortable this week in phase one that you've, you've, you've shared this experience, you're sharing this experience with a few others. We feel the love of God through others. When do you feel the love of God? And would you let yourself feel it? Would you let it wash over you and penetrate and change you on the inside? Take it in. God loves you. God's love it does healthy things in us. It puts things back together. It, it pulls things in order. C.S. Lewis said, to love you as I should, I must worship God as creator. When I've learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, my earthly dearest, the people I love on, on earth, the things I love on earth, when I've learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. So what's he saying? He's saying the people we love are not shaded or diminished by our love for God. In fact, we're going to love them better because we love them properly. We're going to love things better because we love them in order, because God is first in our hearts. Love God. He puts things in order. And you say, no, I don't think I love God like that. If I'm honest, you know, if I look at my heart, if I look at the things I love, uh, I think, you know, I think I love money more than I love God. If I'm just being honest, I think I love pleasure more than I love God. Oh, really? That's terrible. You, sh- you should feel horrible. Go sit in the corner and feel terrible because that's awful. Is that how God works? No. God says, let me pour more love. Let me, let me, let me pour out more love 
within you. Let me inside of you let you feel and know my love in a deeper and a fuller way. Let me penetrate your life with my love. Let me pour more love into your life. Look at this, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, the Holy Spirit is inside you and God is pouring His love into your inner core, into your inner being through His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Do you get this? Listen, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is one of the operations of God. You think of Father, God the Father, creator of all things. You think of the Son, Son, Jesus, the Redeemer, the Redeemer of all things. The Holy Spirit, what is He doing? He's in your heart, pouring out the love of God. This is one of the operations of God. This is how God is reconciling the world to Himself, is to pour His love into your heart you love him more until you see him for who he is God loves you God loves you he loves you so much it's where the greatest story begins your greatest story with Jesus God puts things in order when did you first know when did you first feel When did you first understand God's love? It's where your greatest story began. When did you first feel it? When did you know it? Your story with Jesus is your greatest story. Uh, Billy Graham, he once said, Now, today, when a cynic asks me, how does giving your life to God pay off? Or, Or if I change, what will God do for me? I can answer by telling him what he has done for me. He forgave my sins. He gave me peace of mind. He took away my fear of death. He stirred up creative powers within me that I never realized existed, but more important than what I received from God are the efforts I've been able to make for Him. Billy Graham. I could tell someone the story of Jesus in my life. My greatest story is my story with Jesus. That's what Billy Graham would say. I can say the same, what God has done for me. What I'm telling you right now is that it's the same for you. God can do the same for you. God loves you. God loves you. And as you open your heart to him to feel that love, the Holy Spirit of God within you pours that love out. God loves you. He sent the son Jesus to save you. God has a purpose for you, a life for you meaning for your life. See, the love of God will change your heart. It will change the world. It will change things forever. The love of God, it brings things together. God loves you. I've come to believe it. We come today to the table of communion where we recognize the love of God that draws us home. 
that seats us at the table. As we've confessed our sins, professed our faith, as we've worshipped, as we've opened our hearts to the word of God, it's time to come to the table where you are. Maybe you're together. Maybe you're alone. You are hosted at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he invites you to come and sit and eat with him. He loves you. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Almighty God, it is right to give you thanks and praise right now, at all times, in all places. For you loved us and created us and set us into life in this world. And when we declared ourselves your enemies, you did not give up on us, but by your grace and mercy, you sent your son to take our sins on his own flesh and to die on the cross for us and to rise to new life, calling us into eternal life with you. So Lord, send your Holy Spirit and fill up our hearts with your love. Gather with us around this table. Help us, Lord. Help this world. Father, as a mother said to me recently, a a parent is only as, as happy as their most miserable child. Father, look on your children with mercy. See, Father, how difficult it is for your children to come to the table and be seated together. Help us. Lord, as we are torn apart, beginning again this conversation, of race and division and who's worth this and who's worth that Lord help us help your children have mercy on your children and bring us to your table to sit together as one as one people as we're separated out by a global pandemic continues to range the face of this earth taking people's lives from them Lord help us in our isolation to feel the unity of the Holy Spirit, to know that we are at this table by your love. Pour out your love, we pray, and help us to feel it in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray together with one voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. Friends, I pass on to you what I've also received, that on the night of his arrest and betrayal, the Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, behold, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of it, all of you, 
do this in remembrance. As often as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes again in glory. Friends, now is the time for you as an extension of this table to take up bread and cup in your places of worship wherever you are and receive from the Lord the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Receive the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.